Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains mature themes, adult content, coarse language, things that might offend sensitive listeners, and so listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then sit back, kick back, chill out, relax, prepare to lend an ear. If way leads on to way, as they say, then all those other ways lead here. This collection of tangential tales and supplemental stories adds even more depth and color to our world. I could tell you all about it, but we'd rather show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Alone in the Runiverse. So get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. Now, we open on a different Bailey Mina than the one we're used to. It is a city which bustles with motion. Many of the towers of the city are half-built. The tallest of them is 300 feet off the surface of the water. The buster itself, still under construction in places, goes zipping in and out of this growing city as we settle on the Upper East Side. A lower middle class residence in what is largely a district inhabited by the police. And sure enough, we see the door that we're focusing on open up and a young Maravian man, about 25 years old, come whistling out, turn around, close his door, lock the door, and turn around and the camera freezes for a second. He wears the uniform of a junior paladin, tears his nightstick proudly, and has uh, everything just so. And as he heads off uh, around the balcony and down the stairs to the buster platform to meet his ride to work, he's friendly to all his neighbors. Uh, you see women leaning out the window, watering their flower beds, or, you know, people working in their little front gardens. The camera pulls away to display Bailey Mina under construction. At a distance, this tower dissolves into scaffolds. People are working and floating cranes are bringing in loads of stone or transmuters are transmuting the very air into the building materials they need to pull these scrapers together. It's not fast. It is noisy, such as the pace of progress. We go back to Rodrigo, who's uh, chit-chatting with a young lady in a pretty dress who bats her eyes at him, but everybody knows that the special constables of the watch, such as he, well, he's no ordinary cop. No, indeed. No patrolman here. He is one of the devoted, the paladins of Bailey Mina. And it might be said in a city such as this, which, although it isn't the one we're used to, is still plenty rotten enough. The good cops such as here in short supply. The sky car pulls up. Rodrigo steps aboard with all the other people in the morning traffic, and the car wheels away. The camera fades to the car coming back the other way, and we see that the sun has passed all the way over the city in the meantime. 
He goes back to his house, goes in, closes the door, and when it cuts within, it's a few minutes later we see he's taking his uniform off and he's walking around in his boxers with his socks up and gaiters and his A-frame shirt and, you know, his uniform is taken off and laid neatly over the back of a chair. His residence is neat as a pin and very, very bacheloresque in decoration. He's cooking uh, something in a pot, which smells delicious. There's some noise coming from the box out in the living room. The news comes on. It's the usual sort of thing. And Rodrigo comes out of the kitchen with his supper in a bowl, sits in the one chair that he owns, puts his feet up, and looks out the tilted slats of the blinds on his front window as he listens to the news. The scene fades out. The next morning, he opens the door and goes to swing out whistling when he bumps into something and, well, tumbles over onto his ass. When he sits up, we see it's a basket. A basket of what, you ask? Well, wouldn't we all like to know? As Rodrigo sits up, it seems to be a basket full of blankets. And now, fuss, he pulls the blankets back. And the big brown eyes of a baby girl blink back at him. The camera switches to Rodrigo's face, which is a little bit stricken. He stands up, dusts himself off, looks around, and sees that his neighbors don't seem to have noticed anything. He looks back at the basket. The baby girl giggles, rattles a rattle at him. In her blankets, he finds a piece of paper, which, as he tilts open, he finds has elegant Maravian script, saying, My name is Delilah. Please look after me. He stands up, looks around the neighborhood, looks down at the basket, takes out his handkerchief, mops the sudden bead on his forehead, takes a deep breath, picks up the basket and turns to leave. Two steps towards his garden gate, he stops, looks at the basket. Baby rattles her rattle at him and giggles again. He exhales the breath he's been holding and walks back into his place. Three years later, Rodrigo is chasing a little girl, hell-bent for leather, down the street. Delilah, wait! Get away from the edge! But Delilah doesn't care. She runs right along the wall, close to the new construction, which has climbed several stories since last we saw it. Delilah runs fearlessly along the edge of the wall, and her dad, having grown a respectable beard by now, and dressed in civilian clothes, races with wide eyes along behind her. He catches her, when he turns around, his features are concerned more than angry, and when they lock eyes, he melts because, well, he always melts. He might be the big, tough detective Rodrigo Del Rey, but he's her daddy. Five years after this, Rodrigo talking to a very angry shopkeeper while Delilah, chastened, waits by the light post on the corner. Rodrigo is very conciliatory and paying money from his pocket, although he is in uniform and uh, looks extremely uncomfortable. The next scene, we see the door to their new apartment, which is not in the same neighborhood anymore, opens up and Delilah is tossed in by her ear. Rodrigo is furious. Delilah, he says, I, you, 
Why can you not behave? What is wrong with you, girl? Delilah looks up at him tearfully and sniffles and says, her voice warbling, I don't know. Delilah, of all the things you could be in your life, a thief is not one of them. This is not our way. We, we are the good ones. Delilah, look around you. We must be. In a city like this, there are too many villains. Thief, Delilah. Have you forgotten everything about me? No, no, Daddy, I haven't. I Too wild. You are too wild. You need discipline. Tomorrow, go to see Leandro, and maybe he will beat some sense into you. Yes, Daddy. Years later, Leandro and Delilah are fencing, blindfolded, on the same railing that her dad tried to get her off of so many years before. Back and forth, the dance is elegant and graceful. Finally, Delilah scores a touch and Leandro, quite off balance, threatens to teeter off to his death before spinning gracefully to a seat with his feet dangling off the side. As he hooks a thumb under his blindfold, he chuckles, reaches into his pocket, and pulls out a flask. Unscrewing the top, he offers you a drink. Delilah settles down blindfolded herself and takes that before she pulls her blindfold off. That was exhilarating. It was not meant to be exhilarating, Delilah. It was meant to teach you the value of caution. You and my other pupil, you are so much alike. You keep comparing me to this rich kid. One day, perhaps you will meet him. He is an earnest enough student, unlike you, who relies too much on our native gifts and not enough on training. Master Leandro, you told me half a dozen times I'm not built to be a swordswoman. You just need to teach me how to fight. Isn't relying on my native gifts making the best of that? So, the time has come for your summer trip, Delilah. Where do you think you will be going? I don't know. My father's been awfully tight-lipped about it. I think he intends to send you out of the city this summer. I have a feeling it will be somewhere exotic. I've barely ever left the city. Perhaps he will send you home to Marcelon and you can see La Corrida or La Lucha. Oh. One day, Delilah, you must go and see it. I will, Master Leandro, one day. Say a thing for you, you sure do look, Maravillan. But you don't feel like you're from there. There's no connection to Maravilla for you. Marcelon, you've heard about it a dozen times. Your father was born there. Grew up, came here when he was 19 to be a paladin. Well, he went to the capital to be a paladin and wound up assigned here. Devoted to Caduan ever since. I don't really like Caduan very much. She's very strict. But her zeal and devotion to the throne are unmatched. Her department has almost redeemed the Bailey Mina Police Service. And a lot of that has to do with what your father has been doing. But, Catwin, no, she's not your favorite person. And for some reason, your father has neglected to introduce you. 
He keeps saying he'll never be able to unless I behave, and that's not very likely. Well, this is it. She's a saint, right? You, you can't be a little riffraff around a saint. And you can't help but be a little riffraff. He finishes drinking from his flask, puts it away, and uh, rolls back with an easy backflip to stand up like a dancer on the safety of the balcony behind him. Delilah turns to follow him and says, you know, I know a shortcut. I am sure you do, but I don't know if I am up to it. It's not one of the more difficult ones. Delilah, you have an angel's luck. The things I've seen you do, well, I can explain most of them. Others, I have to try harder. I don't think I'll try your shortcut this time. Okay. Thought I'd try. Have fun with your rich kid, Master Leandro. Until next. And with that, Leandro steps into the lift and down. Far away in the east, you can hear the thunder rumbling in the mountains. The clouds haven't managed to filter through yet, but uh, if there's thunder and rain up there, this time of year, it's the early summer. It's going to start raining soon. Delilah leans out the window watching clouds. She loves a good storm. Well, this one, you can see it start to leak out of the mountains about half an hour later. At this point, you're standing out on a newly installed gargoyle, which is going to be part of the water spouts, which uh, will drain the building and, you know, pour off into the firth. And you can see it being a great big majestic torrent that flies off, that flies out into the sky and lands like gentle rain upon the people below. Apart from the fact that it's going to be full of shit, like garbage and whatnot, because these things always are. I mean, nice idea. Kind of a shitty thing to do to the people underneath, though. But you're standing up on here and you look over and there is a tall tower which is going to be full of luxury suites. And you can see like the, the details are putting marble floorings in the suites right now and uh, building the skeleton of the place. These all kinds of minor, all kinds of, you know, builders and masons of all descriptions, hundreds of feet in the air, hanging off impossible scaffolds. None of them look over to see you where you are, but you can see all of them. Maybe you'll live in a place like that one day with marble floors, eh, Delilah? But uh, for now, it's your dad's place down in, well, just off the meadows. Delilah would have a hard time living somewhere with a drainage system like that anyway. She's been down at the bottoms of those towers too much. Probably about time to head back. So you get down to a spot where you can catch the buster and the sky car bumps down over the various connections between the rising buildings of the city. And just as it comes rolling into the platform, you look over and you see just a little flash of fast action movement. Um, there's a fog in a boat now. It must be cooling off. Just below this platform, it's all foggy. And over towards one of these outlets, there's that flash of action. Looking over, you can see a couple of uniformed Bailey Mina police officers grabbing hold of uh, somebody and, you know, another one walking over on a tangent. 
when the car opens, the rest of the people on the car are very careful not to see anything as they make themselves scarce. Delilah's going to do her best to fade into the background, too, but she's never been real good at being careful not to see things. She figures knowing what's going on is always going to serve you better. All right, so the officer approaching on a tangent is a tall, lean elf with a shaved head and uh, the longish ears of a high elf. He's very sharp. Like, when I say sharp, I mean it. He kind of hurts to look at. But all the same, he strides across to where these other two officers, one of whom is an orc, and the other of whom is a big burly bugbear, have grabbed this goliath by his arms and they're like they've got him down on his knees bending him forward the goliath looks up and he goes fuck you i paid ah yes but we have to discuss what sort of business you're in yeah well come on this is bullshit yes we'll see the price has gone up and so either we get an extra 300 out of you right now or you swim home from here Fuck you, Farron. How am I going to swim home from here? We're 200 feet in the air. Yeah, unfortunate, huh? But there's water down there. Boys, and with that, they just hock him off the side. He turns around, looks right at you. Hello, little girl. Are you a little girl? Come here. Delilah looks down shyly and makes her way over. This is not a place for young ladies to be wandering about, honey. This... You could just see things that would upset you. Are you okay? I think I'll be okay, sir. Yes. Say, what brings a gal like you up around these parts anyway at this hour? I had just been admiring the storm. I see. Well, I hear the view is better from the other side of the building. Now be a good girl and nip along and, uh, don't be telling stories about things you didn't see. Okay? Of course not, sir. Very good. Come on, boys. And they go walking off to the lift, and the lift closes, and they're gone. There's there's water down there, which means he could have survived. But even if he did, he's going to need help, and soon. What's the fastest way I can get down there? aside from the way he took. When you get down there, he has uh, he didn't handle the impact with the water well. Uh, lots is broken, but he's a tough bastard, and he's clinging feebly to one of the pilings on a dock at the base of the tower. How he's not dead, you don't know. You're just standing there on the dock, looking down at him while he looks up at you kind of with that stupid pleading in his eyes the dying things get. Oh no, that's not going to kill you. She uh, swings over the edge of the dock and starts climbing down. She crawls into the water next to him and puts her hands on his face and there's a glow. And 
the camera switches to Ohio Bleak, where down there in the fog and the mist where no one can see, there's a sudden flash of bright light. And when we focus back on the end of the docks, the big Irishman's hand grabs the plank easily. And then the next thing we see is Delilah hoisted bodily up in one of the in one of this man's hands. His other hand grabs a dock and he pulls himself up onto it. He is ten feet tall. Thanks, kid. I saw what they did to you. Well, I guess we're square. And I'll be moving to another neighborhood. Probably right out of town. What's, uh, what's your name, kid? I'm Delilah. Call me Boyle. It's nice to meet you, Boyle. Thank you, Delilah. I, I, I can't say enough. I, I got a family, you know. There wasn't any reason for those people to do what they did, and they ought not to have done it. Well, discretion is the better part of valor. I'm, uh, I'm gonna get my family and get the hell out of here. It's a shame. I just bought a beautiful place uh, a couple blocks off a of copper penny. Oh well, it's just a thing, right? At least I got my life thanks to you. I don't know how you did it, but uh, I won't forget it. Thank you. I was born here. The city seems to like me. Well, my son will know at least that there are good people in this city, and I won't let him forget it. She nods and gnaws on her lip for a second before she looks up at him again and says, If, um... If I knew somebody who would dislike that as much as I did may have some of the power to get it stopped. Would you talk to him? He stands there and he fixes you with an eye, like, well, he suddenly realizes what you're saying and what you're inferring. And there was a bit of, there was something there. You can't really think of what it was. But he looks at you and now it's gone and he's a little bit sad. And he goes, no, that's, uh, that's fine. I'll, uh, my mind is made up. I'll just. Bailey Mean is not my town anyway. Well, if your mind's made up, I guess there's not that much I can do, but. Hopefully, she's got more like me to come, so maybe someday it'll change. And you'll come back? Maybe. Take care, Delilah. You too, boy. Runelanders is recorded live, curated, produced, and edited by me, with the generous help of the rest of the table. Speaking of them, all the usual people played all of the usual parts, and you can find out all about who they are, who their characters are, and all the little Easter eggs I scatter throughout these episodes at runelanders.com. Like what you hear? 
Tell your friends. If not, tell us. We're at Cast the Runes on Twitter, runelanders at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook. You can even leave a comment directly on the site. That'll about do it for this episode. Next time on Moonlanders, we're going to have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then. I'm DM Matt Adam. I'm DM Good Guy. Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next. Take good care.